0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
1: He gets so crazy at
2: times. It sounds like... (laughs) You yell back at your radio.
1: What are
3: you talking (laughs) about? What the hell?
2: He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on The Fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Visit them at milwaukeeadmirals.com.
4: Welcome in. It is Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Have you seen their schedule yet? I have. I'm telling you, MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. Now, I got to say something here, right? So I I was trying to get John Greenberg on the show uh, yesterday, um, and he was at the league meetings um, down uh, in South Carolina, I guess it is. So I wasn't able to get him. And then I was going to tape after the show, And the production studios here at the radio station were filled, so I wasn't able to do it after the show. So then we had talked about maybe today, but again, it it didn't work out because he's traveling today. Okay, fine. And John Greenberg, president of the Milwaukee Admirals. So amongst all of this, here comes the email today that I get from uh, the Milwaukee Admirals. Check this out. Uh, John Greenberg named J.C. Hendy Award winner As the top executive of the AHL in 2021-2022. A bye for John Greenberg. There you go. That's awesome, man. Congratulations to John Greenberg uh, for getting that award. Um, And that was presented last night at the league's annual awards gala uh, during the board of uh, governors annual meeting in hilton head south carolina oh hurt me <laughs> hilton head south carolina yeah ah, that's got to be tough that, that's, that's rough <laughs> buddy <laughs> it's got to be tough i mean i hope he brought his golf clubs there's really good golf i <laughs> hear out in uh, hilton head south carolina so uh, never been but i've heard many many stories of hilton head south carolina okay so coming up on today's show i uh, got a new guest that we've not had on madness we have not had on big show and to be honest, I don't know if this person has ever been on our station. I don't think so. But uh, R.J. Anderson, senior uh, or a sap writer, I should say, for CBS Sports covering uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, he will join us coming up here uh, at 2.15. So about 10 minutes from right now, R.J. Anderson from CBS Sports uh, will join us. He had a piece talking about Juan Soto and how the Cardinals may end up being the team uh, that lands uh, Mr. Soto. and I desperately do not want that to occur yeah you said as much yesterday lord do not let that occur so i saw that last night um and i got a hold of him and uh, thankfully he was able to come on today so we're going to talk to him uh, about that situation also want to get into a article um on sports info solutions now we've had mark simon on uh for a long time he was a regular weekly guest on the big show at one point He was on with Rami numerous times. Um, He's on all over the country. Uh, He's on the score in Chicago, all over. Okay, fine. So he's one of the main guys over there. Well, one of the other writers over there wrote a piece yesterday, and I retweeted it and and put it back out there, about Josh Hader um, and kind of what is up with Josh Hader now versus what's been up with Josh Hader in the past. Now, again, if you know anything about Sports Info Solutions, uh, it's very numbers-oriented uh, and formula oriented as well. But they also look at video, um, interesting stuff uh, put together by Sports Info Solutions on Josh Hader and what all is really going on with him at this point. And you know, is there something to be really concerned about here? Um, and we'll get into that coming up after uh, we talk to uh, RJ Anderson. Uh, before we get to him, coming up here in about 10 minutes, I, I want to quickly just. Talk about this brewer situation, so i I want you to put up a poll question if you can, okay, poll question what you got uh, on the twelve fifty a m the fan website. what's the poll? The poll question is, do you think the Brewers can acquire enough at the deadline to make them a threat to the Dodgers? Or Mets? Yes or no? Do you think the Brewers can acquire enough at the trade deadline? She probably should put the word trade. Trade deadline to make them a threat to either the Dodgers or Mets in the NL. Eh, That's it. Because the more I look at social media, the more I listen to this radio station, the more convinced I am that the majority of you think This team can still go to a World Series. I don't get it. I'll be honest. Like, I I don't understand. I really don't. And I'm trying desperately to figure this out. I feel like, as a fan base, we're wishing upon a star that the bats that, you know, again, statistically, they're in the upper half of baseball or the middle of baseball. That's fine. Watching with your eyes is not good. It's not good. We're hoping that numerous players on this team turn it around and get going in the right direction. You start talking about the Dodgers, the Mets, the Yankees, teams like this, that you're going to have to deal with and get through. And the Mets are a problem, not really because of the, the pitching, but if they're, not the pitching, the hitting, but if they're starting pitching as healthy, It's better than the Milwaukee Brewers, folks. Not if healthy is a is a big key, or if they're healthy. But if they are healthy, they're going to be a problem for these Brewers bats. Like you can pretty much lock that in. Degrom, Scherzer—I mean, problems uh, with that with that Mets rotation if you have to deal with them in a postseason. And as we've talked about, to nausea, I understand. It feels like to me. They're more than a couple bats away. And the closer we get to the deadline on August 2nd, and you're not going to get to, you know, I had to deal with me on the radio anymore after the show, but the more convinced I kind of am of kind of just saying, I don't think I want to do anything major. Like if, if I can get somebody for, you know, a middle, mid-level prospect, fine. Okay. But I don't think I'm in the camp of, Hey, let's go trade six prospects and get two bats. Like, I I don't I don't think I'm there on this I, I really don't I think I'm struggling to figure that all out as far as of the bats you're going to be able to get are you really really uh, going to have any more of a shot than you do right now A, a lot of this to me feels like um, they're they are going to have to have internal improvement more than anything else That's that is. The big struggle for me. You're asking for a lot, and I don't want to say you know uh, magic carpet ride like I did for the Brewers that one year, but kind of. You're kind of asking for like some pixie dust to be sprinkled over this Brewers team and have some of these guys come alive and play to uh, essentially, as Tim Allen would say, the back of their play, uh, the back of their baseball card. I saw a tweet earlier today uh, when we we're doing Big Show, uh, and somebody tweeted out that the Brewers could be a front runner. Um, for Laureano, the outfielder for the athletics. And I saw somebody on Twitter get all excited about, ah, don't tease me or whatever. And then quickly after that, people started tweeting back at this guy. And I'm sorry, I, I forgot who you are that said this. Um, but people started tweeting back, and I'm like, dude, what are you getting all excited about? Look at this guy. So I looked at his numbers to see, okay? So his first game was May 8th. In the month of May, he had 2.30, 3.37 on base. 3.24 slugging. Mm. Uh, in the month of June, he hit 2.55. This was his good month. 3.20 on base. 4.36 slugging. I want to do something here. Can you do me a favor? What's that? Can you? And I'm going to ask you to do something that's probably going to take you a good amount of time. So, Oh, great. I don't need it right now. Do me a favor. Go through and look. At the month of June for the Brewers hitters, on, you know, if you go to like ESPN's website, you know, game logs or whatever, and they give you each month for average on base and slugging. Put together the Brewers hitters for the guys that play, average on base and slugging in June. I feel like June was a big month for seemingly every player I call up. And I just want to see if I'm right. Cause if I am right, then I've got questions how everybody in the major leagues all of a sudden hit well in June all of a sudden, or hit better in June. But either way, so July uh, for Laureano, 215 batting average this month, 292 on base percentage. Slugging went up to 462, which that's, that's much better than he had been. But 215, 292 on base, good Lord, no. So if you want those batting splits for the team per month, I've got them right
5: in front of me. Okay, go ahead. All right, so you want us to focus on June specifically?
4: June specific, a batting average on base percentage. You know, player by player is what I was thinking. If you're going to do oh, team, okay. that's fine. Do team. Go ahead. All right,
5: well, let's we'll start with that, and then I'll look yeah. at the players. So for a team, their average in June was 238, on base percentage 318, and their slugging was 409.
4: So now can I'll work you, on getting those players. Can you compare that to other months? Was that yes. significantly different than April or May or July, per se? Or were they all relatively the same for the Brewers?
5: Honestly, it's kind of all in that range from about their lowest was 295 uh, for on base. Per se. I guess I should look at averages first. Their averages all kind of range from 223 to about 240. On base, from about 0.3 to 0.323. And their slugging is probably the widest margin, but that's only 0.378 to 0.433. So So, what's their best month? uh, Their best month for average was May. Best on base month was June, but not by, or excuse me, was May, but not by much. And their best slugging month was also May.
4: May. So their best month offensively was the month of May then? Correct. All right, good. Well, that takes care of my theory then uh, without looking at individuals. Um, so either way, so my point is I don't know, this this Loriano guy that, you know, at least one Brewer fan is all excited about possibly getting, his numbers don't look good either. They just don't. And then the response is, you know, when you start having this conversation, well, the whole league stinks. Well, no, the whole league doesn't stink. There are guys right now playing in major league baseball that actually do have some offensive numbers at this point that aren't on the Milwaukee Brewers. Like, for instance, I'm just going to just quickly here look. I'm going to go to the – I just want to kind of look and see at some of these uh, other teams of what we're talking about here. Let's see. Trey Turner, 307, 354 on base percentage. Freddie Freeman, mind you, this is all Dodgers, uh, 322, uh, 400 on base percentage uh, for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Gavin Lux, the Kenosha native, 294, 370 on base percentage. Again, all three of those guys would be rock stars on this team at this point. Uh, Will Smith, seventy-eight games played, two sixty-eight, three fifty-nine on base, four seventy-one slugging. He'd be a rock star on the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Mookie Betts, two sixty-five, three forty-one on base, four seventy-one slugging. To go along with twenty-one homers and fifty RBIs. Again, would be a rock star on on this team at that uh, that moment in time. So again, that's the team or one of the teams that you're going to have to deal with here going forward. And I'm, I understand. Well, the major league average, well, that's great. But we're not going to be facing necessarily the major league average. You're going to be facing teams uh, that are in the playoffs at that point. Those are the teams you're going to have to beat here at some point. And that's something that, that needs, obviously, to be considered. Let's see here. Uh, Jeff McNeil for the Mets, 300-362 on base. Starling Marte, 295, 345 on base. Uh, Luis uh, Guillerme, that's how you say his name, second baseman, 293, 369 on base. Brandon Nemo, 271, 358 on base. Guys, I'm sorry. We can sit here and make all the excuses we want about, Well, wow, that's the reason this whole team stinks is because it's baseball. Okay. But those are two of the teams you're going to face. And individually, they have a lot more individuals doing a hell of a lot better than your guys. And you're going to have to beat them in a series. In a series. This is not football where you get one game and you're done. You're going to have to beat them in a series. How is that going to happen? That's all I'm saying. How is that going to happen? Especially when you talk about the pitching for both these teams. It's not like the pitching for both these teams stink and you're going to be able to outscore them because your pitching is so much better. That's not how that's going to play in the playoffs. All right, Uh, coming up next, I'm done with my rant, but I proved my point. Like, it's just not even close. R.J. Anderson from uh, CBS Sports uh, joins us next to talk about the Soto piece he did about he thinks maybe the Cardinals uh, might be the best deal for him. Also, we'll get his thoughts on the Milwaukee Brewers straight ahead. Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals on 1250 AM, The Fan. Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals as we broadcast live from the Lakeland University Studios offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Steve Sparky, Pfeiffer, A.R. Adam Roberts, other side of the glass being joined now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Uh, by, I, I believe, it's his first time, I think, ever on the radio station. I, I don't think he's been on any of the other shows. R.J. Anderson joins us now from CBS Sports, covers uh, MLB for them. R.J., thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it.
6: oh Thanks for having me.
4: Uh, first things first, I wanted to get into this uh, piece that you did about uh, Soto uh, and maybe the Cardinals looking like a match based on what the Cardinals have to give up and maybe what the Nationals are looking for. I will tell you that, uh, from a city of Milwaukee perspective, that would be a nightmare scenario that we do not want to see happen. Having to deal with Arenado, Soto, and Goldschmidt in the middle of that lineup would not be very nice.
6: Yeah, and you know, just to be clear, that kind of boiled down to a few different variables. Uh, Number one, you know, they have shown an aggressiveness in situations like this in the past. That's how they got Arenado. That's how they got Goldschmidt. You know a star being either unhappy or being on the block with their current organization. So that's foremost, you know, the top reason number two, like you said, you know, they can offer a variety of top prospects and MLB ready young players. I'm talking about your Jordan walkers I'm talking about your Mason wins, even on the big league roster. I'm talking about Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, uh, Nolan Gorman. So, you know, there's a nice talent base to deal from Uh number three, they also have financial flexibility after Paul Goldschmidt's deal ends, which happens to line up with Soto's free agency. They can presumably take back Patrick Corbin's contract. He has about $60 million left over the next two seasons. It might throw Patrick Corbin in a rotation to try to solve that issue as well. Not sure that would go well because he's been really bad the last two seasons. But you know, there's just a number of factors that kind of point to them being a serious player here.
4: What about from the angle of the Dodgers uh, and the Mets at this point? I mean, the Yankees that would just right. be a complete and utter joke if they add him to their lineup. Uh, but the Dodgers, kind of similar type situation there. If you add him, and the Dodgers' farm system is pretty good.
6: Yeah, the Dodgers are a really interesting case as well. Uh, like you said, you know they have the talent to make a deal. They obviously have the financial might to make a deal, and you know the precedent there is there. Excuse me, with Mookie Betts. You know that was only a few years ago. Uh, With the Mets, it's a little bit more interesting and complicated to me because if I'm the Nationals and I know I can get a good deal from Los Angeles or St. Louis or you know any number of other teams, perhaps San Diego and some of those other clubs, I'm not sure that I want to deal him in the division to the Mets because you know then I'm seeing him not only in New York constantly. I'm seeing him come to D.C. and you know they've kind of lived through that a little bit with Bryce Harper. You know he left as a free agent to go to Philadelphia, so they've experienced what that's like and. I just wonder if they might be reluctant to trade him within the division, and if not, if the Mets offer them the best possible deal, then you know maybe they say whatever, look, you know, we'll live with it. But I just wonder if maybe that's a consideration, as silly as it sounds.
4: When we talk about this deal with Soto and it being a rental versus being a long-term play, if Seattle truly uh-huh. is in is involved in this, is it for the long-term play, or do you think it's simply for the rental? Because obviously they got red hot. I'm not convinced it's sustainable for the Mariners in the second half. But if they truly do get get involved and make this play, I mean, is he going to want to be in Seattle for the next five, ten years?
6: Yeah. So my point on that is, say he doesn't, you know, say he wouldn't want to stay there beyond, you know, the length of his team control. Well, that's still through the 2024 season. True. You know, that's three playoff runs. Yeah. That, that's a pretty, you know, that's a pretty large chunk of time. I mean. A lot of players on rosters right now are necessarily going to be there past the 2024 season because that's just the reality of the game. There's a lot of turnover year to year and so on and so forth. So, from my perspective, that's not a big deal. You know, you get him, you take your chances those three years, and then if he walks and you know goes elsewhere, goes to greener pastures, that's fine. You know, you ha- you had three runs with it. I think, you know, I-, I wouldn't characterize him as a rental, I guess. But you know, I get your point. You know, are they really going to want to devote potentially? You know, let's say half a billion dollars to one player? Maybe not. You know, that's kind of a sweat group of franchises that would feel comfortable and confident right. doing so. But at the same time, again, three playoff runs with one of the best players in the game. I think you take your chances.
4: See, that's my point. I mean, the Yankees, you could see them doing it. The Mets, you can see them doing it. The Dodgers make sense. Yeah. Um, so some of these make sense. Like, okay, long-term, maybe that's the long-term play and that's where he is kind of going forward. Your point of, okay, you have him for a couple more years. Well, let's let's change it a little bit. The Brewers aren't mentioned. Yeah. the Brewers aren't in this, nor I, I, I don't think they can be. but for Brewer fans are saying, "Hey, get in there, let's go get him. I don't believe they have the assets to get him unless they're willing to trade some of their starting pitching, like Woodruff or Peralta. But once you do that, right. then you take away from the strength of your team to begin with,
6: right. And yeah, honestly, I don't think Milwaukee has the you know the prospects I want to get it right. done. Um, I would say. It would be cool from my perspective if you know Tampa Bay or Cleveland or one of these smaller market teams that does have a pretty good farm system were to try to trade for Soto for the rest of the season and then they turn around this winter and they say, okay, we're gonna trade them again. Now you know now let's get those big market teams involved who uh, have more of a realistic chance of paying them long term and let's try to recoup what we gave up as a deadline. I think that would be kind of a, a Billy Bean move. Remember that one year he traded uh, I believe it was for, I want to say Carlos Gonzalez, Indol- not Carlos Gonzalez, excuse me, was it Matt Holiday he traded for? And then he traded him away at you know, the deadline. It's just, you know, it's something you really don't see. And I'm 99% sure it's not going to happen here because it'd be very complicated and all. But I would like to see a team that isn't necessarily, you know, one of those traditional big market teams try to get creative and get involved here. Because I think that'd be really fun to see Soto land there. And who knows, you know, maybe win a World Series ring with him, uh, sort of like but Kawhi Leonard did with Toronto and the NBA
4: a few years ago. I, w- I would be all for Tampa Bay getting him. If the Rays were to get him, I could get behind rooting for the Rays in the AL to you know beat the Yankees or whatever the case may be, and then to give them a true superstar would be even better. Uh, this Brewers team, we have a poll question up right now. Uh, this is what it says. Do you think the Brewers can acquire enough at the trade deadline to make them a threat to the Dodgers or Mets in the NL?
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's complex, right? Because I I don't know that there are many teams I would categorize as a threat to the Dodgers on paper, or even the Mets, because they're just so good. But I will say, you know, this Brewers team is good. I think that they often get overlooked because, you know, they do it in a way that doesn't necessarily stand out. You know, they don't necessarily have, you know, the run differential to compare with the Dodgers, and they don't necessarily have the household names that the Mets do and whatnot. But you know, you don't want to face this team in the postseason because of that starting pitching we talked about, because we know Craig Council is really good at managing the pitching staff and, you know, getting the most out of his pitchers. So I don't know if they're necessarily going to look like they're in that class of team, but I don't think that they necessarily have to either in order to make a run to the World Series. I mean, look back to last October on paper, the Atlanta Braves were not in that sphere of elite exact nationally team. Yep. And it doesn't matter, I and mean, I think this Brewers team is probably comparable in terms of, you know, just how well they optimize their players that they do have. But,
4: but, but, but the the, the comparison is also there in the fact that Atlanta was desperate for bats and redid an outfield, and this Brewers team yeah. is in the same situation, I think, where they're desperate for bats right now.
6: Yeah, and to be fair, you know, this is a decent trade market for bats, for rental bats. You know, you can go out there and. You know, get someone of note and have them for the rest of the season. Now, that said, you know, it's probably not going to be one show level. You know, they're probably going to shop in a lower bin, but it's something that they should consider. And I'm sure that front office is going to do something to improve their team. I know, you know, they're, they're opportunistic and they're pretty creative. And, you know, I don't know 100% who that individual is going to be, but I don't think they're going to let this deadline pass without doing something to bolster, bolstering their chances of not only winning the National League Central, but you know, getting over the hump come October. It's
4: on with RJ Anderson, CBS sports covers major league baseball for them. Follow him on Twitter at r underscore J underscore Anderson. He joins us here on the great Midwest bank hotline and Sparky's midday madness on the fan. Oh, if you were to stack up here, the top, I don't know, three to five teams uh, in baseball, how would you stack them up?
6: Yeah, I think number one, you have to go to the Yankees, right? I mean, they are only on a pace to win what? 116 or something, uh, seven games, uh, You know, beyond them, the Dodgers are probably number two for me. Number three and four, I think you have to go with either the Astros or the Mets, you know, just depending on the health situation and which roster you like more. The number five, uh, that's a tough one. You know, you can make an argument for the Brewers, you can make an argument for the Cardinals, you can make an argument for the Braves, the spinning World Series champions, but I think that's probably how I'd line them off, off the top of my head.
4: Hey man, thanks so much for coming on. Hopefully, we can get you on again uh, in the future as the season uh, moves forward.
6: Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me.
4: Sounds good. Take care. There he is, R.J. Anderson, CBS Sports on the Great Midwest Bank hotline of applying for a home renovation loan. As you're feeling anxious, breathe. like Great Midwest Bank help you experience a state of banquility. Get started at greatmidwestbank.com today. All right, we're gonna take a quick time. I'll come back. I want to get into that Josh Hader piece I was telling you guys about at Sports Info Solutions. And get your thoughts there. And don't forget, you can still vote in the poll at 12.50 a.m. The fan. Do you think the Brewers can acquire enough at the trade deadline to make them a threat to the Dodgers or Mets uh, in the NL or Dodgers and Mets in the NL? It's either a yes or a no. It's it's not that hard to figure out. Yes, they are.
5: I just wanted to update very early on. It does not appear that most people think that it is possible. Yeah, It's wow. about 78 to
4: 21 and uh, the votes keep coming gunslinger12 tweets it's so nice to hear you being real steve instead of tim who lives in some fantasy land tim keeps saying how the brewers bats just need to get hot well the brewers version of quote hot isn't even close to the same talent level as the teams you'll face in the playoffs that's from gunslinger12 so let's be real about something here okay first of all um, tim is a huge brewers fan like tim will have faith in that team until they are mathematically eliminated that they can figure out a way to get into the playoffs if that were the scenario, right? Tim Allen does not give up on the Brewers. Tim Allen did not give up on the Brewers in the 90s, did not give up on the Brewers in the 2000s, and is certainly not giving up on them now after making the playoffs four straight years. Now, again, I'm saying they'll make the playoffs. I'm just talking about you know going to a World Series or winning a World Series. That, that's, that's where I struggle. And Tim is right about you know if they get hot. The problem is you just need too many of them to get hot at once. that That's where I struggle to see how this is all going to come together. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll catch fire and it'll be a magic carpet ride out uh, to go to a World Series for the Milwaukee Brewers. And if that happens, I'll gladly be wrong and I'll be celebrating with everybody else.
7: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
6: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
2: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
4: I think Jerry West is my hero. I think he is. I think Jerry West would be the song I would sing this about. He's anything but ordinary, that's for sure. Yeah. Jerry West, legendary general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers. And uh, Jerry West uh, was on Sirius XM uh, NBA radio uh, earlier today, I think, is when it was. And he was asked about the J.J. Reddick comments. And J.J. Reddick, if you remember, uh, what was it, a couple weeks ago, a month or so ago, whenever it was, um, took shots at you know the Bob Cousy era of you know a bunch of plumbers and firemen were playing basketball uh, back then, and was ripping on that era of basketball, saying there's no way those dudes you know could play with us. Let's stop talking about them being the greatest uh, of all time when they couldn't you know hold us at all, whatever the case may be. So now on SiriusXM radio, he gets asked uh, about those comments, and this. And I'm telling you, if you see the video, Jerry West, as this question is being asked, and we took the question out, but as the question's being asked, he's like rubbing his face, his hands tapping quickly on the table. Like you could just tell he wanted just to absolutely go off uh, uh, about this whole JJ Redick thing.
7: He held his composure, but he still got his shot. Obviously, the game is completely different. The athletes are completely different and I know J.J. Uh, just a little bit. He's a very smart kid and everything. Look, tell me what his career looked like. What did he do that, was, that determined games? He averaged what, he averaged 12 points a game in the league? Somewhere along the way, numbers count. At that point in time, the players aren't what they used to be. J.J. certainly wasn't gonna guard the elite players and so you can nitpick anyone, and I'm, I'm not, the only reason I'm talking about him is because he was not an elite player, but he was a very good player. But he had a place on the team because of the ability to shoot the ball. But uh, those players at that era, and, and again, that was when I started to see the, the difference in athleticism, um, you know, my era – I was an athlete way before my time. I had a huge vertical, probably no one in the league was, was much faster than me. And certainly the competitive part of it, I would put my myself among any player to play the game. Today, also, winning is all matter. That's what drove me. And I suddenly got better every year. We didn't have the facilities to get better. We had to work in the summers to support our family. but. A.J. should be very thankful that he's made as much money as he's made. And Bob Cousy, who I played against a couple of years, not very long, I just think it's very disrespectful myself.
4: It's completely disrespectful. Completely disrespectful. And as he points out, he was working in the offseason. Sure was. Go back to those early Packers teams. They worked too. They had jobs. Yeah, you got to see him play with Vince and all those guys, but they all had other stuff going on. Had still support their family, weren't making enough And as Jerry was pointed out, they didn't have the facilities that they could go year-round to go do what they had to do. You ever get a chance to run into one of these guys that played back in the day and ask them what was their quote, "weight room like? And in most scenarios, there was no weight room. Um, and what it was like in these arenas to play in these arenas and, and how they lifted weights and how they got stronger and so forth. Nothing like today. Nothing like today. But the arrogance and condescending manner of J.J. Rudick to go after those dudes from back in the day. And Jerry West. In my opinion, just said, to with it. I'm just going to call you on the carpet. What the hell did you do in your career exactly? And the answer would be not much. Mm, not much. Right? Not much. It's probably different if the person saying this is LeBron. If the person saying this is Kobe, Michael, right? If it's those guys making that arrogant, condescending comment, It's still arrogant and condescending. It still upsets them. But at least we're talking about players that won championships and great players. That's what we're talking about. In this case, you have a guy that was, I don't know, average, probably an above average shooter for parts of his career, taking shots at these dudes. And as best as memory can serve, I don't remember Bob Cousy taking a shot at J.J. Reddick. The guys that are taking shots at the players today is not that generation. The guys taking shots at players today are the guys that played in the 90s. They're the ones that are mad. Or the early 2000s. Those are the guys that are, quote, the old heads, as these young players are calling them. Ah, just another old head being mad because he ain't getting paid what I'm getting paid, as said by by Durant to Charles Barkley. These dudes in this, correct me if I'm wrong, but the dudes in the Koozie and Jerry West era, they aren't out there talking on talk radio all over the country ripping on these guys. That's not happening. The guys ripping on these guys are the guys that have platforms to do so. Podcasts. Radio shows, TV shows, those are the guys that are taking aim uh, at the current players. Again, just it was unnecessary and uncalled for. And you all know I can't stand J.J. Reddick. But that, I mean, that's just ridiculous. And I'm glad, really glad, uh, that Jerry West had the opportunity on Sirius XM radio um, and kind of fired back. He didn't have to. He could have just ignored it. Just that, uh, you know, he's entitled to his opinion. Um, and that's fine, and and we'll go forward with it. You know, I'm not going to get into going back and forth with JJ Reddick. He could have just sidestepped it. But like I said, as that question was being asked, he's rubbing his face, his hands tapping on the table. You could tell he wanted to blow up and just absolutely go off. He composed himself and gave that answer. Ram on the north side, you're next on Sparky's Midday Madness. What's up, Ram?
3: Well, you know, you struck a nerve when you brought this comment up because you know I got to defend Jerry West and. Even players in my era. I mean, I would say this: every NBA player, NFL player, even Major League Baseball, they should give homage to Oscar Robinson because without him, he was the first person that brought a collective bargaining and why players paid the way they are now. Because before that, yeah, they did work two jobs. They did. They did. They did work two jobs. And I'll say this, Sparky: um, um, today's players are nowhere near dedicated. Even in the ones in my era. You know, they have a laissez-faire attitude about basketball. And then the other thing, even in my era, a lot of guys play more than one sport. They play more than one sport in high school and in college. And then they decided to play basketball, or they play football, or stuff like that. But the skill level, I mean, I don't know. Well I don't know what you are you judging by what you see on Bleacher Report. I mean, that's what they're looking at, the new the new generation. They look what they see on Bleach highlights. But, like, playing, playing, if he, was to play, if he was to play Jerry West in his prime, J.J. would get smoked.
4: Yeah, I don't think J.J. Redick would be any different in their era versus this era. J.J. Redick is not necessarily an elite athlete where you're like, oh, my God, like, how are we going to deal with that? He's not a big, strong dude like Shaq where he would literally just, like, bully guys because they weren't as big as him back in the day.
3: He was a better college player than a pro player, but he had a long career. Sure. I, I, I say that under in Duke system with Coach K, it it, it, uh, it put him in position to look very very good. That
4: happened to a lot of Duke players.
3: Right, right. And I'm not knocking Duke or anything like that. But you know, just you can go on YouTube, look at some of the. I mean, even look at players like uh, uh, Elgin Baylor. Are you serious? He was like LeBron. Yeah. Man, I mean, if you talk to guys who play with him, they'll tell you like straight up like. This player was a problem, you know, or, or Will Chamberlain. His name gets left out of discussion when you talk talking about goats and stuff like that, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think a lot of these younger guys need to look at more footage before they start talking about this plumber thing. I never understood what that was. I thought that's disrespectful,
4: too. Yeah, it's completely disrespectful, Ram. Thanks for the call. Totally appreciate it. Yeah, it was 1,000% uh, disrespectful, no question. All right, before we get to Toby Altizer. I want to talk about this uh, this article up at Sports Info Solutions. The the question is, what's going on with Josh Hader? Uh, and it was written in by Dominic Ricota, I believe is how you say his name. And he goes into the whole aspect of um, different stats, comparing different stats, right? So um, barrel percentage, right, uh, hit against uh, Josh Hader. 6% uh, barrels of all the swings taken against him in 2021. This year, it's 16%. Hard hit percentage, 30% in 2021, up to 36% uh, this year. First strike percentage, uh, he threw first strike 60% of the time in 2021. This year, he's only throwing 53% of the time first strikes. Uh, Swings in the zone against Tater, 68% of the time uh, in 2021, 61% in 2022. Um, Contact in the zone, meaning, you know, he throws a a pitch uh, that's a strike or in that strike zone, how many times do they hit it? 69% of the time in 2021, 74% of the time in 2022. Swinging strike percentage, 21% of the time in 2021, only 16% of the time in 2022. The other thing that gets brought up um, in here, um, as far as what's going on with him and the difference, they take a video and it's called Baseball Savants 3D Pitch Illustrator. And uh, they put in here, it's an awesome way to show the difference between his average release point in 21 and 22. Not only is the average release in 22 higher and less horizontal from the middle of the mound, but he also has two different release points for righties and lefties. In 21, the fastball had only one release point. The slider had two, but they were very close together. That's something I did not realize. Haters throwing from around two to three inches higher and at 2 to 3 inches less horizontally than he was last season. It's affected his fastball more than his slider, but both pitches have been hit more. The change in release height gives the pitch less of an appearance of rising and reduces its effective velocity. The pitch is now coming from a more conventional arm slot. Hayter usually owns the top of the zone, especially with a fastball, but this season is different. Hater's already given up more hits on the fastball in 2022-14 than in all of 21, which was 12 and more hits in the upper third of the zone already uh, as well. Hater's fly ball percentage has also gone up from 46 to 56% of the time. So then they went into month-by-month month stuff. The baseball savant vertical release graph below shows his fastball and slider release point has been increasing as the season has progressed. This has coincided with his struggles. April and May versus fastball, 86 batting average in 35 at bats. Versus the fastball in June and July, they're hitting 306 in one more at bat against Hater's fastball. Against the slider, they were hitless were opposing hitters in 17 at bats. Against the slider in June and July, they're hitting 300 in 20 at bats. Even though the release point changes are small, it's the only thing that we've noticed about Hater. That has changed physically. For a pitcher-like hater that is so quick to the plate and usually repeats his delivery incredibly well, perhaps the change is affecting him. I said, and wrong clearly, that, hey, man, his his mind might not be totally there. He's got the brand new baby at home and all that other stuff. Not going to the All-Star Game, staying at home with his girl and his baby. No, cut the guy some slack. But when you read this article here on Sports Info Solutions and you look at those numbers and then you look at the difference uh, in release points, and now he's got a different release point righties versus lefties as well, which before there was only one release point on fastballs, and you start looking at all of this stuff, this is physical. Now, the good news is because it's physical, it can be fixed. Right? It can be fixed. So reading that article is, one, fastball is not rising as much as it was. Two, he's not hiding the ball nearly as well based on where he's releasing the ball. So that's also given hitters the opportunity to see the ball better. It's a great article. SportsInfoSolutions.com if you want to see it. they retweeted it uh, yesterday uh, afternoon as well. well. Right around this time or so. If you want to go back uh, at Sparky Radio on my timeline and check that out. Coming up next, Toby Altizer is here. We'll find out what's coming up on the Fan Afternoon Show on this Friday Here on Sparky's Midday Madness, presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Go check it out. The Admiral's schedule is out. Go to milwaukeeadmirals.com. Sparky's Midday Madness, presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. That schedule is out. Check them out, milwaukeeadmirals.com. Again, congratulations, John Greenberg, executive of the year, named last night at the league meetings in Hilton Head, South Carolina, of the AHL. So congratulations to John Greenberg on that award. Joining us now... He is the MVP of the fan. <laughs> speaking of South Carolina. He literally does every show. Yeah, speaking of South Carolina, he fills in on South Carolina all the time. Right? Yeah. yeah. Toby Altizer is here, literally yeah, produces the morning show. You won't see the morning show for a while again. It doesn't appear. <laughs> Long time. Uh, so it doesn't appear. Toby will be on the morning show anytime soon. Why is that? Well, actually Monday, right? Uh, no. Uh, yes, you're hosting yeah, the morning hosting show. Monday. But you so won't see Bart. Not producing. Right, but you yeah. actually won't be on producing for Bart. So... Next week uh, starts and starting next week, I'll be on paternity leave for a while. Uh, so Toby Altizer will be filling in for me going forward on the Big Show. So it'll be Toby, Gary, and Leroy, except for next week because there's no Gary next week either. He's on vacation, <laughs> um, and Leroy's not here Monday. So Toby is in Monday for Bart, Kevin Holden in for me doing a show uh, with uh, Bonamago Junior. and Adam Roberts. That should be fun on Monday. Yes. <laughs> yes you put those two together it's always great uh, I get uh, to facilitate
5: that whole process
4: well just I mean it's gonna it gets weird with those two so just just just, just stay over there and just, just stay out of their relationship there's no
5: lock on this door Sparky
4: I'm just saying just stay out of the relationship just let them do their man bro love that they do and should just, I just pretend you know,
5: like it's TV like this glass is kind of like my monitor
4: yeah just yeah just leave them alone they'll, okay. they'll, they'll be fine they'll get through it uh, alright so Toby Altizer so you got that going on filling in for me and mm-hmm. then obviously the last uh, couple of weeks you've been filling in on the afternoon show. What do you have today?
8: Yeah, so Packers reports to training camp today, the rookies do at least. So we're going to go through and go look back at what rookies there are going there. And we're going to go through and make uh, just assessments on each one again and kind of refresh your memory on these rookies and go through and talk about each one and see what kind of impact we think they'll make. And we'll go through each pick and talk about how each one could contribute to the Packers this year.
4: I'm just going to say this. When Rodgers was going through the receivers and rookies with uh, McAfee, mm-hmm. and he says, hey, man, that kid from Nebraska now. You may, may want to keep an eye on that kid from Nebraska. Yep. That that my ears up. Yeah,
8: Sam's grabbing that clip because he basically says, you know, these guys all look the part, but uh, that guy from Nebraska, guys that seventh rounder has got a little rounder. something.
4: Toure or however you yep. say his name. Yeah. So
8: I'm, I'm excited to talk yep. about these guys and see what kind of impact they're going to have. Second hour, we're going to talk about the Brewers as they head into the second half, which brewers need to step up the most in the second half.
4: The whole offensive lineup. It,
8: it definitely does. It definitely does. Because I was listening to you driving in, and I think that your take on the Brewers offense is probably the correct take. Thank I think you. that Tim Allen and I are probably the <laughs> eternal optimist on this thing. Which is fine. And the like the if you're just looking at it from the outside and you're just being an unbiased, objective honest person about this Brewers offense. I think what you said is exactly correct. Mm-hmm. The reason Tim and I think that there's a possibility is sometimes miracles happen right. and a couple guys get hot and they turn correct. into legends forever right. in a city.
4: Correct, right. You you get on that magic carpet ride to get mm-hmm. the pixie dust sprinkled over a couple guys and you roll. Look, let be honest. If, if Christian Yelich gets his superpowers back, and all of a sudden, becomes MVP Christian Yelich. Yes, they're a super. Just if if he's the only one that has that happen, just him. If that happens, yes, then I will say, yeah, okay, we got a shot now because now you got a feared hitter, yeah, a feared hitter in the lineup again. You know, if William Adamas can figure out what he did last year and get on a run to end this thing, okay, him and maybe somebody else will need to do it. But yes, that's a step in the right direction. But again, we're we're. Like you said, optimist uh for sure. And and Toby's in here we got his brewer hat on, got his Milwaukee shirt on, ready to go. You going to the game tonight? No, I'm not. You're not. So, yeah, I just, thought my
8: car might pull in there. It's just, you know, Friday night, nothing else to do, but for I, don't, sure. I don't think I can swing, just keep spending on tickets and parking. So For sure. No, the
4: parking is what gets <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, the
8: parking's what kills you. Yeah,
4: yeah. Yeah. No doubt. All right. So that that sounds good. Now what about draft mockery? We don't know exactly what to do yet. Y'all were been killing it the last couple of days. <laughs> it's
8: been so fun, but I don't think we can keep going with that sort of thing. So we got to switch it up a little bit. You got any ideas? We're open for anything. As of now, as of now, I don't know if he's listening or not. Notebook Mike is supposed to be with what? us to do the draft mockery.
5: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> best names for baby girls.
4: Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Stay out of my life. Please do not do that. Um, what about, have you guys ever done, I mean, Sam would know, have you guys ever done best sports mascots?
1: You guys Uh, ever done that? No. No, I guess we could do. Not a big fan of mascots. I think today though, as I was walking in here after I got my coffee, I was thinking today, I don't like to repeat topics, but if we have like a special guest on, there's sometimes where I want to do a topic that we've already done just to get like their thoughts on it. Um, so today I kind of want to do a cage match, like an animal cage match with Notebook Mike. I think that'd I be fun. S- I want to see where Notebook Mike' his strategy would go. So animal. Think, yeah, we've done that. We've done that. I think once or twice before. I know the Marvel one you guys have done. Yeah, but I think we. I know Rami and I have done it once, but I'm, I want to do it with Notebook Mike. No, 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 no no, 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 no. Can I make it? Can I change it? What fan personality cage match?
4: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right uh, now. That's the thing I was talking Yes, ta- right now. Correct. Right now, today, fan personality Ooh. cage match. But. I get, Well, I mean, this would work against Toby, I guess. But I would say
1: all-time personality cage match. Uh, I don't know fine. if I can come up with the all-time list. Yeah, all-time list would be interesting. I really want to do—maybe we'll do that on Monday with Tim. I really want to do— uh... The animal thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, we do I, the animals. I, I really want to see where Notebook Mike goes with I that. I think you did it one time with Bart. I think so, yeah. We've done it like at least once or they twice. They did it but...
8: with Bart one time, and it was animals that you think you could beat at least once.
1: Ooh. No, yeah, that was the thing. We did uh Animal Cage match with Rami and I a long time ago, but then with Bart like a couple weeks, months ago. I don't know, whatever. We did um <laughs> we did animals that we think we could take on in a fight, but then had to actually fight against these other teams. Oh. That was a genius idea by Bart. Yeah, it was great. It was great. Yeah, it sounds fun. But I think we'll just go to the OG I like it. I animal like it. cage match. Providing notebook Mike calls in. Yeah. He's been. He talked about it this morning on the morning show. He I talked know. about it yesterday. So we're gonna yeah. hold it to it. If he doesn't, we might have to scrap this whole. You know, having callers <laughs> yeah. on it because <laughs> I think we might have to do the that last anyways. two days. We were supposed to have callers join us. One of them would be notebook Mike, and they totally forgot. And they never called in.
4: Ah, oh.
8: well, that stinks. Yeah,
4: yeah. All
1: right.
8: Well, and Mike, just real quick, editorial note: Horvat joins us at 4:45. So draft mockery is going to be at five o'clock.
0: Okay, picture this.